Uh, hello everybody, it's me Blue. Welcome or welcome back to B&B Anime. That's gonna be a fun one to edit because, uh, yeah, I slid into that one from a previous sentence, so... Nah, it'll, it'll be fine. It's not like I don't have two weeks to try to make that correction. Oh, well, hi, true. I'm Brad. That is Brad, um, and I am Blue, um, and we're recording this one early, well, late, but also early, uh, because complications happened... Yeah, life is bullshit. <laughs> life is bullshit. Um, yeah, uh, unfortunately some big things happened in my life that had just meant that I needed a little bit of time. So we took a bit of time, but now we're back. We're all good. Everything is well. Um, and Brad, you've had some time to rest your little feetsies. So how are they doing? I've had time to rest my feetsies, but I haven't had time to rest everything else, it seems. Everything else. Uh, life is, life is fun. Life is grand. <laughs> but on the bright side, my feet aren't hurting right now, so I fix one thing to have everything else go to shit. Well, I mean, that's, uh, yeah. That's just perks <laughs> of being an adult, Honestly, I that's just 2020 all wrapped up into one. Yeah, it's like, hey, let's do this one thing, and then plane crash. Just fucking everything up. Why oh, not? yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so today we're going to be covering Dead Man Wonderland, and we're not entirely sure when this is going to be released, so whichever day that this is released, whether it be Halloween, prior, or sometime afterwards, uh, <laughs> I hope you're having a good time with whatever time you're in. Nah, according to the Instagram poll, this bitch is going up on Halloween. On Halloween? So this is extra spooky special episode. Yeah. On not just a full moon, but a blue moon this Halloween. Shit's going down this yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, extra spooky special episode, Dead Man Wonderland. Do you have any fun Halloween plans for this year? That depends on how my COVID tests come back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I suppose that that uh, plays an important role. You guys just, have a- Just a little bit. You guys have a big election coming up now, uh, though, don't you, right? On November 3rd, right after Halloween? We do. We do have an election coming up, which I... Uh, the political state here in the U.S. is a giant fucking shit show <laughs> right now. However, this will be my one PSA. This will mm -hmm. be the one time you hear me get even slightly political for just a moment. Mm -hmm. If you want change, no matter what the change is, go vote. Mm-hmm. Agreed. If you're eligible to vote, just go do it. Do your mm -hmm. research on whatever party, what stances, what platform it is that you stand upon, and go vote for the candidate that best represents you, your ideals. Just do your research and just go vote. Like, mm -hmm. don't bitch about it. Don't whine about it. Just go fucking vote, because if you don't vote, I don't want to hear you whine about it. I agree. I am a huge advocate of voting. I voted for the very first time, I think it was last year, in the Canadian election, because I obviously am an immigrant. <laughs> that makes things a little bit more complicated. I can legally vote in the UK, because I am obviously still a citizen of the UK. I was born there. But a lot of their... Like, a, a lot of the time, I don't... I'm. <laughs> This sounds pretty bad. I don't really pay attention to the politics in the UK. I don't live there, haven't lived there for over a decade. So I, I pay attention to the big things, but I don't pay attention to the little things because it doesn't directly affect me, which is bad. And I should pay attention to both my nations. 
<laughs> that is wrong. Don't follow my example. But yeah, so it ended up being the first time I ever voted was in Canada. And it was really scary. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's really not. But I understand the the fear of like first time voting. So if it is your first time voting this year, I totally get it. Anxiety inducing, especially considering all of the COVID conditions. Make sure that you're checking out your local polling stations and if you're doing mail online ballots or mail ballot voting, whatever it is, if you're posting it, you can track it to make sure that it gets to where it needs to be. So make sure you're also following through with that because I know a lot of rules are changing very rapidly in the States right now and a lot of people just don't know what's going on. There's also been a couple of people that are being assholes and destroying like the ballot boxes and stuff. So people's votes aren't actually getting to their final destination. The final destination. Um. That That's an accurate description of 2020 right, yeah. right fucking there. <laughs> so yeah, make sure that if you are mailing your votes, you are tracking your votes to make sure that they're getting to where they need to go and then of course yeah if you're if you're going to vote in person mask up sanitize and make sure you're checking your local areas because america is one of the forefront countries in the world you know a lot of people look to america for you know because it's a huge company a huge company a huge that's that's also an accurate statement but anyway also It's a huge country that a lot of people look to, not necessarily for political ideas, but for like social and community and like, I don't know, it's a huge country, so. It's a giant melting pot and the world's youngest superpower, so. Yeah, uh, a lot of people, America has a a large impact on the global structure of everything. Mm -hmm. So this is a huge election for America, but it absolutely has an impact on countries surrounding America as well, so. Especially from a neighbor to the north. Mm-hmm. Because right now we've got some of your buttheads, and I'm gonna call you out. I'm calling you out, America, okay? On these buttheads that are claiming that they're heading to Alaska, so they're driving through Canada. But they're not just heading straight to Alaska, and they're going on little vacays in Canada and sparking up these COVID pockets. Your buttheads, okay? We've I mean, done so well. Do you do you expect any different from this from this bunch down here? <laughs> we right. give you. We 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 trust we we try to trust you. Well, where has that gotten you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like well, I, yeah. I hate to sit down and sound that maniacal or whatever, but you know, this is revenge for the War of eighteen twelve. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is. We just... bent down your White House. You'll finally get back at us with the uh, COVID thing. Yeah, never forget (laughs) forget. all that bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, me. But yeah, now the now the PSA is over. Um, Oh my god, yeah, that was a ramble. Just just a little bit, just a little bit of one. But what have you been doing today, anyways? Lying in bed. Same. I've spent a lot of time lying in bed, going back and forth between my office. And my bedroom, just watching anime. I have watched so much anime. The boredom is real. So if, with this episode going up on Halloween, I will either have my results for my COVID test or, and it's either going to be positive, negative, no matter what. The results, up to this point, I have been self-isolating since I took my test. Mm -hmm. Now, the boredom is real. (laughs) I have had to stay cooped up. I can barely traverse my own home because my grandmother is here. She has refused to leave to go somewhere else. So I have to wear a mask anytime I travel around the house out to the barn to get drinks. And 
so yeah, it's just been a lot of lying in bed, which is fine, because with the extreme fatigue that I'm feeling, I have no complaints. Mm-hmm. I've been taking naps. That's unlike me. That is very unlike you. You're a four hours of sleep kind of person. Yeah, and then I just have a crash like every ten or so days. So Yeah, I'm a, been... I'm a 14 hours of sleep a night kind of person. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I could sleep for days. Uh it's it's my biggest talent. Anywhere, anytime, I can crash. Unless I've had a nightmare or a night terror. Which I promised that I would talk about some of my night terrors during the month of October. So I have a few, and I promised that I would talk about them because they are very freaky. So I have one about oh, okay, so I have the legend of the hand that's a hereditary dream. How exciting is that? I have two that I've had very recently, one about Tilly and one about my mum. And then I have uh, the reason why I'm terrified of toilets. Um, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, what? So, yeah. yeah, the reason why I'm terrified of toilets. Do you want to hear that one? Yes, please enlighten okay. me. Okay, so uh, this is a night terror that I first had when I was probably about five or six years old. It's very, very young, and it's a reoccurring one that I had quite a lot when I was younger. I haven't had it in probably like eight to ten years, I don't know, but I had it a lot when I was young. And uh, <laughs> and I think every kid, I think it's it's pretty standard to say that every kid, when you have to pee in the middle of the night, you book it back to your bedroom, and you jump into your bed, and you dive under the duvet, and you hide from whatever thing was trying to get you from under your bed, or crawl behind you in the hallway, right? Uh Uh-huh, relatable. Like, that's standard. My brain took that and was like, hey, we're gonna run with this. (laughs) So not only did I have the terrifying feeling of something chasing me from my trip from the bathroom back into bed, and the monster under my bed, I had a night terror about a hand in the toilet bowl, well, in the in the U-bend, that when I sat on the toilet, because I am not a male, I, <laughs> uh, this hand would come out of the toilet, into my body through orifices, grab a hold of my internal organs, and rip them from my very body, <laughs> leaving me effectively disemboweled. Uh, and I had this dream a lot when I was little, um, and I used to be scared of toilets a lot, so I used to have to have someone escort me to the toilet when I was very young. And, uh, and so sorry, mom and dad, who got no sleep when I was like six to eight years old, I guess, because I would wake them up every time I needed to pee in the night and was like, hey, can you hold my hand while I'm on the toilet? Because I'm scared that a hand is going to come out and disembowel me. But then... That fear then kind of alleviated itself when nothing happened throughout those years. But then we emigrated to Canada and I was introduced to the wondrous world of pit toilets where there could just be somebody standing in knee deep in human waste and actually could do that. And the logic of my brain then went, hey, so it was impossible for a person to be in a pipe, but it's not impossible for a person to be at the bottom of a pit toilet. So... Now we're going to bring back these dreams, but instead of it being a regular toilet, it's now a pit toilet. And I was terrified every time we went into the mountains. Nani the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> welcome to Night Terrors. Uh, I have I have effectively been welcomed into the world of Night Terrors. I used, mm-hmm. to, I used to watch a lot of horror stuff growing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite horror things to watch, and granted, this is a fucking children's cartoon, but Courage mm-hmm. the Cowardly Dog, 
Okay, yeah. It, it, it still holds a special place in my heart to this day. I still love it. Whenever they put it on Netflix, I was one of the happiest human beings on the planet. However, mm-hmm. that show, I've had like very, very vivid nightmares to the point to where I would literally wake up shouting. Like, shit is So that's a night terror. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. And it would just affect me all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the difference between a nightmare and a night terror is a nightmare will just kind of wake you up, but a night terror will wake you up into a panic attack. So you'll be screaming, crying, uh, not really aware of your where you are. It can cause, uh, you can be in like a hallucinated state where you're not really awake, not really asleep. And yeah, so the, there's like more to it than just like a nightmare where you wake up. Because I've had loads of nightmares, but like, yeah, night terrors are, are where you wake up in a state of panic. So streaming visage is just a constant state of night terror then. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because I streamed that the other day. That's the first time I've picked that game up in over a year. Mm-hmm. And I had the shit scared out of me by a small child. <laughs> it's a grand time. October is fun. Yeah, October is great. If I give myself a night terror because I spoke about my night terrors, it's going to be a fun time. I would say you're more than welcome to message me if you need to, but my ass is probably going to sleep the second that we stop recording this. Mm-hmm. And and I just woke up from a nap like an hour and a half ago. Honestly, I feel you. I've been so exhausted recently. Just like breathing is tiring me out. Like, and here's the thing. This is the main reason why I went and got COVID tested. I got winded taking a fucking shower. Oh. Like, I've been playing tennis very religiously Religiously, since I've come back. Yeah. I came back to, I moved back to Cleveland and I weighed a whopping 350 pounds. And whenever I went to the doctor yesterday to get my COVID test, they took my weight and everything. And I'm down to 312. So thanks to tennis, I've lost 38 pounds in the past six months or so that I've been back. That's awesome. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. But yeah. Especially as you've been gaining muscle at the same time. Maybe. I don't feel like I'm gaining muscle. Like I still have the same, I still have the same amount of definition and everything that I had before. Mm, Yeah, but you're going to be gaining like leaner muscle with tennis. Maybe in my legs. Like no tennis players are like, butch. That is true. Like, you don't see, like, jack tennis players, but you see, like, very yeah. toned and, like, honed up tennis mm-hmm. players with, yeah. like, calves of steel. C- calves of steel, and they can hit a ball, like, 150 mile an hour. Like, no joke. Like, some of those serves are, like, 137 to, like, 141 miles per hour. Like, shit's They're legit. insane. They're insane. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. And I miss tennis. I have missed mm-hmm. tennis very much because of this shit. Mm-hmm. You need to do, like, a stand in the corner and do just, like, calf raises for six hours. I mean, yes, but also <laughs> my feet my feet need to heal, so I need to not oh, do yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that's true. You need to figure out how to do calf exercises while laying down. <laughs> just sit there and do feet rotations while also, like, doing ab exercises. Oh, yeah, just crunch the whole time. Yeah, just do bed aerobics. Like, sit there and, Ankle like, do leg raises. Crunch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the shit I need to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what we should do for a stream at some point this month? Oh my god, please don't make me exercise. No, 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 no. <laughs> wait, were you there for that stream whenever I was doing exercises? Well, the one where you and, broke yourself? Yeah, the one where I fucking collapsed? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was. <laughs> yeah, so no, we, we don't exercise on streams anymore. That's no. not something we do. Yeah, that's how we destroy our knees. 
Yeah, no, and my knee's already destroyed, so that's a that's a hard no. Mm. But no, what we should do is we need to read some like Reddit r slash no sleep stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that would make for a good stream. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have another stream the next day where I tell you about all of the night terrors I had. I mean, hey, <laughs> content. <laughs> Very true content. So we went out. Saturday, I think, to play tennis. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I thought it was a good idea to get some bright-ass orange fluorescent tennis balls. <laughs> okay. Not a good idea. Those balls felt like I was hitting lead. Like, I've never hit a worse set of balls in my life. <laughs> that's, that's not a sentence. <laughs> you should leave, leave that, one. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. I know what I said. <laughs> it, it's staying there. <laughs> I play a lot of tennis, so I've hit a lot of balls, okay? Oh, this is... God. <laughs> At yeah. this point, I'm just rambling on about this to pester the shit out of you. Anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's just... It was so odd. They bounce fine, but the second they come off the racket, it's like I have to swing a baseball bat to try to get that damn thing to go. Okay, now, philosophical question. Okay. Do you think the reason why they felt so different was because they were orange? No. <laughs> Because I've hit a vast multitude of the, like, green fluorescent tennis balls. Mm-hmm. So I can distinguish the difference between, like, a good tennis ball and a bad tennis ball at this point. And the orange ones, whenever they're in your hand, like, they feel like a decent tennis ball. Like, they have a good spring to them whenever you're dribbling them on the court. Mm-hmm. So you would think that the second the racket collides with it, it would hit like a really decent tennis ball because it costs like a decent fucking tennis ball. Like it costs a dollar more than cheap tennis balls, Mm. but a dollar less than the really good tennis balls that we use. So again, with the price of that, because tennis balls, I don't know if you know, were fucking expensive for good ones. I do know. I have a golden retriever. That is true. But wait, do you get like the cases of tennis balls for Tilly then? Or do you get like just a can at a time? We have experienced uh, quite a few different types of tennis balls, including tennis balls that are designed for dogs that are actual crap. (laughs) Like, they're like, I I guess they're crap because they're expected to be destroyed really quick. Mm -hmm. But one thing about dogs with tennis balls is that they love to swim and go and swim out and grab those tennis balls that are floating on the water. But if you get a crappy tennis ball and your dog puts it in its mouth and the tennis ball breaks, that tennis ball ain't gonna gonna float anymore. Nope. And then your dog's gonna be real sad. Or like Tilly, if they're not like Tilly, Tilly dives, Cedar doesn't dive. So Tilly would get the ball, Cedar wouldn't. But yeah, so we've had an array of them. We also occasionally find them at the dog park. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and so then Tilly gets to discover a new toy and bring it home. Uh, but yeah, we've had an array of tennis balls. Sometimes we get the can ones. Sometimes we just get crappy ones from Walmart. Sometimes if she's lucky, they'll have a deal at Sport Trek and we'll get some fancy ones. Because well, yeah, she's good with their balls. I tell you what, Bean would have been a very, very happy dog had she wandered over to the tennis courts the other day, because I left those fuckers out there. I've never been more disappointed with a set of tennis balls in my life. So sad. It is sad, but somebody would have gotten a free pack of tennis balls. Mm. And then they also could have found out they were shit. Yeah. But hey, at least, you know, more discovery. That way people will know not to hit them. Um... My brain is dead. Yeah, you're gonna when you get a dog, you're gonna have to get a dog that you can train to retrieve your tennis balls. Honestly, though, so basically what I'm saying is, is, 
you need a golden retriever. I mean, what other dog would be best for retrieving things? I don't I don't know. I mean, it's literally what they were bred for. Can can I just borrow Bean whenever I go play tennis? Can I borrow Bean? Bean is fantastic at retrieving. Uh, she's not the best at giving. <laughs> <laughs> so she'll retrieve it for you and bring it back to near your vicinity. And then just run around while you try to take it from her? If, if she's playing fetch, she will drop it directly at your feet and she will be super excited and she'll do that for hours and hours and hours. If she is tired after a day of fetch, she will not be able to decide whether or not she wants another throw or she wants to lie down. <laughs> and so she will just wander in circles around your body until she eventually either sulks in the corner or gives you the ball for another throw. Okay, news! Do we have any news? We're pre-recording this one. No, we don't have news. Oh, that's true. Well, I'll... Uh, uh... Uh, hey, guess what news we have this week? Uh, it's Halloween, so um, it's a blue moon. So listen, this is dropping on Halloween. So here's your news. Candy. Yeah, More here's candy. your news. There may possibly or may not be uh, trick-or-treaters heading to your door, depending on your region, local bylaws, and whether or not you have uh, curfews and high COVID things. So have fun. Don't don't bitch out. Get the big Drink candy responsibly. Bars. The kids deserve it. Make sure you have a DD, please and thank you. Yes. Uh, safe way home. Always have yourself a Brad. Somebody mm-hmm. who's not allowed to drink, so therefore perfect to drive. Yes. And or set up cash for a cab or an Uber or whatever you need. Make sure your phone has charge. Keep yourself safe. Don't go into gatherings of large amounts of people. But also have fun with your friends. If you're like able to, obviously if you're in a in a high spiked area and you're still having to, to make sure you're social distancing properly, then uh, have fun with your friends from a distance. <laughs> Did somebody say Uber? Uber. Um, are you planning on dressing up this Halloween? No, because I have to work. You don't get to dress up when you work? No. Boo. Yeah, I know, corporate bullshit. But I'm also, sorry. I might not even be working. I might be uh, stuck at home in bed. That's true. Because again, we don't, we don't know how these results are going to come back. I'm really fucking hungry. You hungry? Uh, I'm really hungry. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Postmates? But I just, I feel so weird asking somebody to come and drop something off right now. Like, my body is like, yes, but my mind is like, no. <laughs> keep keep people away. My mind's telling me no, but my body, my <laughs> body is telling me yeah. it. Literally, that's, that's literally it. Oh. <laughs> No, you should Postmates and just give them instructions to leave it out front. Or, like, Uber Eats or whatever, because you pay through the app, right? So Somebody say Uber! Uber. Yeah, just leave it out front. Just get just give them the instructions to be like, hey, leave it out front. Make sure you sanitize afterwards just in case I'm self-isolating in the app. It's what everybody else is doing. Big brain. Big brain plays. Yeah. Let's move forward. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any background on Dead Man Wonderland? Because it's about time that we started chatting about it. So... On the note of background, I hope you're happy. I did research for this. And I'm not I'm not just talking about my regular rinky dink background research. No. Because the studio that made this have made absolutely nothing else that I have ever seen. Oh so, okay. Me being the fantastic podcast journalist that I am who likes Ooh. to go in above and beyond, decided to watch one of the other shows. On the list. Ah, okay. Yeah, and? I don't know how I feel about it. 
Uh-oh. So, I was going through the studio. The anime was made by Monglobe. Mm-hmm. So, it was directed by Kochiro Hatsumi, who has, I think this was their first and only real stint as a director, so that was a thing. But I looked up some of the other stuff that Monglobe had done just to kind of see, and apparently one of the things that they're known for is not adapting a lot of works they just like to create new and original stuff which could partially explain dead man wonderland and the issues that i have with it okay however something that they did adapt was an anime based off of a manga called the world god only knows okay you listen to a title like that and then you think of the phrase god only knows to which you should immediately facepalm whatever you hear i now understand why it's a harem anime. <laughs> and not a very good one. But for some reason, they adapted three seasons of this shit. Three seasons! Three seasons of this shit. Whereas okay. Dead Man Wonderland, that they butchered from the manga, like they butchered the timeline and shit, to where they took another manga and adapted three seasons worth. The fuck? Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm at a loss over Mm. this i'm really i'm really at a loss over dead man wonderland itself well apparently dead man wonderland was not a success in japan at all but it was a huge success internationally but the manga was obviously a success because it had a total of 13 volumes Mm. so it was just the anime adaptation that people were thoroughly disappointed with in japan yes and then so i've been talking to a lot of my friends about Dead Man Wonderland since I rewatched it because Dead Man Wonderland was one of the first animes that I watched whenever I got back into anime. Same. So I wasn't really exposed to a lot of the nuances and stuff that anime had, but also watching it through this time, I noticed a lot of things that I hadn't noticed prior. Yeah, I watched it so long ago that I had pretty much forgotten everything about it. I remembered how it ended. I remembered the basic plot line and everything. I remember the first episode with, you know what happened. Yeah. So I remembered all of that, but I didn't, I didn't notice my biggest gripe about it. Right. And talking to everyone else about it, they didn't notice it either. So I ruined a lot of, I ruined lives by going back and us covering this. But also, this didn't age well. No. Like watching it through this time, I wasn't, I wasn't pleased. No, I find the, well, the animation style, I think, aged well. I think the animation style holds up. No. Do you disagree? I very much disagree. Are you going to ruin something for me that I wasn't paying enough attention to? I'm going to destroy lives with episodes 10 through 12. I, oh yeah, okay. Okay, I will give you that. But like, overall. Episodes episodes 1 through 9 were fine. Yeah. Like, that kind of holds up to some of the stuff from today. Yeah. But I cannot... If you would have taken that animation style from the first three episodes, or from the last three episodes, and made it the first three episodes, and then you improved on it, I would praise this show to the end of time. But instead, it's like they took their animation budget and blew it on the first nine episodes to where the last three, it was like one person worked on it one day at a time. Mm. It, yeah. It made me ill to see it like i i've never wanted to vomit watching an anime to the point to where like you have such high expectations and then it's just 
there's no reasoning. It didn't change studios halfway through. Like, it wasn't like Mon Globe started it and then they passed it off to the studio that did Ride Your Wave and did Ooh. Devil Man Cry Baby. Interesting factoid about Ride Your Wave. Uh-huh. Okay. You remember you saying that there was one scene in it that you really liked the animation of? And I've had this conversation. Yeah, okay. So the scene that Brad particularly was like, that's a scene that I really like, was a clip of coffee being prepared in an espresso shop. Uh-huh. Brad, would you care to tell the people what that clip actually was? It was an actual clip from a coffee shop that was just drawn over. Yeah. 100%. So yeah, it was some stock footage that they basically put a filter on. Yep. So that's why the animation still looked really good, because it wasn't animated. And I just, it it stood out to the point to where I was just like, this is awesome. Like, why can't, because if you look at Makoto Shinkai's work, all of the film looks that way. Mm-hmm. It's totally possible to do that well with through animation. Yes, but it's just for that, for what that film was, it just, it was so different from everything else. Mm. And it was also coming right off the bat of us watching Weathering With You, I think. Yeah. So therefore, that was just like heavy into my brain of, I really like this. Mm. And then finding that out, I was just like, you know, that totally makes sense. Yeah. But also, it frustrates me to no end, because Shinkai does that shit on a regular basis with every last one of his films, and then this film just fucking cheaped out on it. It's bullshit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, more background info. Do we have any more background info? So, Dead Man Wonderland was initially a manga. Shock. I've already mentioned this. It ran in the Shonen Ace magazine instead of the regular Shonen Jump. It, mm-hmm. Its original run was from May 2007 through August of 2013 for the total number of volumes totaling 13. Mm-hmm. Which means, should this follow typical anime format and formulation, there's three more seasons worth of content for this shit. Which makes so much sense. Yes, because this show, <clears throat> we're going to get into a lot of this later. However, I've talked about this multiple times, so I'm not bringing up anything new unless you're new to the podcast, and I'm sorry. This show has the most fucking awful cliffhanger I have ever seen to an anime. Ever. Yeah, it's it's on the same lines as, and I've, I've compared it to this before, um, The Cube. It's a horror movie. It's a horrible horror movie uh, because of the ending. The ending is disgraceful. I'm going to spoil it. It's not a good horror movie. Trust me, it's not good it's it's a piece of crap horror movie i'm sorry to the people who made the cube it's a bad movie um the ending of it basically the premise of the movie is that the bunch of people have been stuck inside in a cube and they have to escape the cube but there's a bunch of traps that and they're in one room and they have to travel through all of the different rooms to get to the outside and every single new room has a trap in it well not every single room. They have to try and figure out if a room has a trap in it or not. If it has a trap in it, they're dead, right? And all the people that are in the cube have a special thing about them that means that they should be able to escape if they all team up and work together. Of course, they don't work together because that's how horror movies work. And, <laughs> and so they try to get out of this cube. Anyway, three characters get to the end. There's one bad guy in the cube as well, because obviously. And when they're just about to escape the cube, 
the two characters that are having the love story, because obviously, uh, the guy goes, I don't even know if we should escape. And literally the exit is right there. They're staring through an open door. And he goes, I don't even know if we should escape. And he sits on the floor and he starts crying. And he's like, I don't know if we should do this. The bad guy comes through and kills them. They die. And only one person escapes, despite the fact that they were staring at an open door. Like, you can have your panic attack afterwards. I don't care. But your exit, your escape was open in front of you three feet away. And you were just like, nah, I'm just going to sit in the corner and cry. I'm sorry, Darwinism. You deserved it. Um, What if he was the one that actually survived? Like, he got the other two people that were with him killed. Yeah, yeah, honestly. That survived. That oh, God. That would have been um, a shit show. It's like, such a bad... But yeah, so that ending of the horror movie was incredibly frustrating. This Dead Man Wonderland has the same level of... How do I say this without spoiling anything? Uh, Frustration? Frustration. Yeah, it's got the same level of frustration at the end with the way that things are explained. Because I guess the only reason why I think the ending is the way that it is, is because I think they were expecting to get renewed for another season. Not with those last three episodes. No, I know. But I think they were expecting to with the way that they wrote the storyline because they could have wrapped it up with a real nice neat bow on the last episode. But they chose not to. They also butchered the timeline from the manga as well. Yeah. Because I was talking to a friend of mine that's a massive Dead Man Wonderland fan. Mm -hmm. And she was talking to me about the timeline from the manga. And she was like, yeah, they butchered a lot of stuff. Which is why the anime seems like it's incredibly fast paced for how quickly shit moves along. Mm -hmm. That explains a lot of that. That's why there's so much shit crammed into it like if they had taken their time with a lot of that that season could have been two or three seasons worth yeah the i was gonna say i feel like that hummingbird arc that happened in an episode and i feel like that that arc could have happened in an entire season because the fact that you meet her and then it's kind of resolved in the same episode is ridiculous yeah and just well, you can't form any kind of emotional connection for her. So when the twist happens, you've got no emotional connection to it because it's you, you've known her for eight minutes. So before you watched it again, would you have recommended this to someone to watch? Oh, yeah. Hands down. And even even just because of what the show is, I could still recommend it to people. Right. Because I feel like for a one-time watch, it's phenomenal. And had we watched this, like, episode two or three of the podcast, I might not have torn it apart as bad as I am ready to. Mm-hmm. But my god, this show was a raging dumpster fire on par with Domestic Girlfriend. Huh, okay. Okay, so I think you guys already can tell Brad's opinion on this show. I am pretty much along the same lines as Brad. As you guys know, I'm not huge on knowing about animation stuff. I don't do digital art, I do traditional art, so, you know, I don't- I'm not the best at critiquing the animation. I also am notoriously the worst at critiquing OPs and EDs. Because I have horrible music taste, I am aware. Okay, it's fine. I know. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, hey, at least the first step on the road to recovery is admitting. <laughs> <laughs> I still think the best OP of all time is freaking Tadakakun's OP. It's such a. It good is OP. a phenomenal OP. Okay, I'm not disagreeing with that. However, mm-hmm. Tokyo Ghoul better. Mm-hmm. Sure. Grinch. Um, better uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm. uh- 
<laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm aware of that kind of stuff. But I, I absolutely do think that the pacing in this is incredibly strange. I feel like they packed so much stuff into each episode that if you are... That it's hard to keep up with, I feel like. If you're a casual anime watcher, I feel... Or if you're watching this week to week, to be honest, if you're watching this week to week, I feel like you would forget stuff between the last episode and the next episode that came out. Yeah, I feel like for you, with you having ADHD and the way that your brain works, if you weren't able to binge this, you would be fucked. Yeah, I don't think I would have any clue what was going on. There's not a lot of world explaining until pretty late on in the show. So for a good portion of the show, you're pretty confused about what's going on. Yeah, they did not do a good job with world building. Yeah, and I think if the show had continued on to a second season, you would have been more, went, learned a lot more, especially about the outside world. Mm -hmm. But because of the way that it ends, you're just left with so many questions. So... Would I recommend watching this anime to those of you who haven't seen it before and therefore are not going to listen to all of the spoilers? Yeah, I would recommend you give it a go. Uh, but I wouldn't, if you're not hooked right off the bat, I wouldn't recommend pushing yourself to watch through it. I know a lot of people are like, I'll I'll give the first like three episodes a watch and if I'm not enjoying it after that, I yeah, don't finish it. If you watch the first three episodes and you're like, I'm, this is cool, I want to keep watching, go ahead and keep watching it. But by the sounds of it, the manga is a million times better. And so if you like the concept, just read the manga instead. But also, if you watch through three episodes and you want to keep going, do not watch the last three. <laughs> Skip the last three episodes. Just. Oh, <laughs> another thing. There is also a very secret OVA that nobody's ever watched. So I had the OVA explained to me. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we got it because it's Crow's backstory. Oh, okay. I kind of wish I'd watched it now. I mean. He's like one of my favorite characters. I mean, yes, he is one of my favorite characters. I just couldn't with it. Like I couldn't bring myself to watch the OVA. And another reason I couldn't bring myself to watch the OVA is what if the art style was the same as those last three episodes? Mm. I would have immediately hated it just because of that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like. Maybe somewhere down the road, maybe as an April Fool's joke or something for the podcast, we can just watch it to cover it just as a really short little mini episode. Mm. But I need time to be able to give that episode the proper attention that it deserves or yeah. might not deserve, depending. Yeah, that's true. Hot and heavy on those emotions from ending up on this. But yeah, okay, so is that all in the background? I think in a very jumbled up mess of a way, yes. Okay, cool. So I'm going to give you a quick overview because if you have never heard of the show, you're probably thoroughly confused by now what we're talking about, but you probably have a fairly good idea of our opinions on it. Dead Man Wonderland is a 12 episode? 12, 12 episodes plus an OVA show uh, a, about, centered around a 14-year-old character called uh, Gante Garashi. He has gone to his middle school student and he has two best friends and he loves hanging out with them and they're about to go on a class field trip to a prison. And this prison is a privately owned prison in what was once Tokyo, but there had been a big explosion that had happened and, and nothing really is left where Tokyo is anymore, except for this small little island, upon which is this privately owned prison that is set up like a theme park, 
um, all of the prisoners are the workers at the theme park and uh, they run off a very different system to normal prisoners, uh, normal prisons uh, because of the way that it's ran. And uh, it's kind of like the center of public, like it's like a, like a reality thing for like people like they, they it's very popular in media it's not like there is a reality show going on about it but like it's very popular in media the news is always covering it people are always going there to to, sh- to watch to be entertained by these prisoners that are in this amusement park prison and yes yeah, so that's what they're going to go on this field trip and it's a horror obviously it's lots of blood and gore there's also a supernatural kind of element to do with the show uh, so it's not completely like real world in that sense so if you're like real world kind of stuff and you're not a big fan of the supernatural not one for you if you like a supernatural maybe it's one that you should consider i think that's everything i can say without spoiling the uh, first episode also anime tropes galore so many anime tropes considering the fact that he's in he is 14 years old but they say he's in seventh grade is that correct no, seventh grade is like twelve, 12 right? Yeah, twelve to thirteen. I-, I was watching it and I was so confused every time they mentioned that he was in seventh grade when he was fourteen years old. I was like, uh. So, do you think that's a translation? Do you think that's a translation thing, or do you think they just got the ages wrong? You watched it subbed, subbed, correct? Yeah. And I watched it the way that I originally watched it. I watched it dubbed. So they just got the age wrong. Yes. Cool. <laughs> So unless we're missing something with the education system in Japan, or that there's something that was unexplained in this world. Or the writers are the biggest bunch of fuck-ups that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Because that was one thing that actually, like, that I was very confused about throughout the entire show. Because I I had to do the math. I was like, wait, how old was I in seventh grade? Because, yeah, sixth grade was the first grade that I entered when I emigrated. And I just turned, uh, I was 10, turning 11 in sixth grade mm. and because i was bumped a grade due to the education system in the uk being very very different to the canadian education system because you big smart because i'm big smart no it's because i started field... school at four i like how whenever you say four you literally have to go into the becky accent four no i started school at four four you said four four Um, Oh my god. Oh my god. But yes, uh, I think that's everything that we need to let you guys know about before we put on those, before we put on those spoiler chicken hats. Uh, Sorry, I just had to get incredibly British there for a second. Anyway, spoiler chicken hats are on, so I'm going to dive into the first episode. If you have not seen Dead Man Wonderland and you do not wish to be spoiled, make sure that you go and watch it before you come on back. We're not going to be talking about the OVA, so if you haven't seen the OVA, don't worry about it. Um, Episode 1, Dead Man Wonderland. Death Row Inmate. Ganta Igarashi is a middle school. It is a middle school. Is in middle school. He's not a middle school. He's in <laughs> he middle school. He is a middle school. <laughs> he, he is a middle school. Um, <laughs> That's a big boy. <laughs> um, could you imagine an anime of the high school and the middle school? And it's just like, it's just a slice of life, but it's the buildings rather than the students. Honestly, that would be hilarious. But yeah, uh, Ganta Igarashi is a middle school. Um, and <laughs> him, and his classmates, <laughs> him and his classmates are going to take a field trip to old Tokyo to go visit the prison called Dead Man Wonderland. When Ganta uh, is in class and he all of a sudden sees a mysterious red man floating outside of the window. The the man blasts out the windows, knocking Ganta un- unconscious. And when he wakes up, the whole classroom is covered in blood and everyone is dead. 
the red man comes over to him and implants a gem-looking chunk into his chest. When Ganta wakes up, he is in the hospital and they have charged him with the murder of 29 students in his class of 30, with him being the only survivor. They provide him a lawyer and uh, he is quickly sentenced to death as the evidence is overwhelming. A fake video confession has been leaked to the press where it shows a visual of him bragging about the, the murders. He is taken to Dead Man Wonderland, the prison, and as a death row inmate. When he arrives, he quickly learns that the prison is unique. Another inmate knocks him over and the warden slices him open, telling him to return whatever he stole. He didn't return it. The lawyer is actually connected to the prison though and wants Ganta dead. Ganta, whilst heavy lifting in the junkyard, meets, 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 meets a peculiar looking girl who already knows him. Shiro is her name, and quickly befriends him. And a few of the assholes that are also in the prison, just fellow prisoners, attempt to beat him up. She defends him, only to get knocked out with a shovel. Did that, did that scene also trigger that one like video that went viral a few years back of that girl hitting the other girl over the head with a shovel? Yeah, just yeeting the shovel at her and just yeah. knocking her the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. Every time uh, when I watched that, that's what came to my head. There's the stupid remixes that people made. Um, and she defends him only to get knocked out with a shovel. However, uh, while they're fighting, one of the building theme park decoration rooftop thingies breaks off. It's like massive and it's going to squish them all. But Ganta's chest begins to glow. And he somehow uses his newfound power related to the gem implant to be able to stop the decoration from squishing Shiro. But it squishes all the other inmates. And Ganta vows to kill the red man for what he did to his friends in school. So the first episode is basically an entire season. Literally an entire season. Yeah, because again, this is what I'm saying about you don't really have much time to get emotionally attached and invested to characters before shit hits the fan. Because I feel like in most other shows where they have a big twist in the first episode, they would have the twist at the very end of the episode and you would spend the first portion of the episode thinking that the two characters, for instance, okay, so Ganta and his two friends, interaction between them, getting to know them, is probably, like, what do you think, three minutes, four minutes long? If even that. Yeah, it's very short. But you're supposed to gain some kind of emotional reaction to these characters, so that then when they die, you're with Ganta on this, like, hatred for the Red Man. But they die within like the first half of the episode. So you don't have time to feel anything for them before they're already dead. Already putting him in prison, him in prison, having the entire trial, having everything, the fake video, all of that happen in the first episode, then introducing Shiro, who is our secondary character and like, I suppose, love interest, all in one episode. It's so much. Uh, it's... Like, you don't feel anything. Like, when those two characters died, I was like, oh, boo. <laughs> like, I was like... <laughs> Yeah, like, whenever the whole classroom was slaughtered, I was just like, excuse me, what? Yeah. Episode two, Antidote Brackets Candy. Ganta goes to the infirmary to get patched up uh, after the incident with the thing falling. He's just got a couple bumps and bruises. And when he's there, he bumps into Yotakami, 
uh, again. Who he was the guy who knocked him down the day before and got sliced open when he stole a thing from Ganta but didn't return it. Ganta talks to him and Yo ends up telling him about cast points, which is the internal currency of the prison, and explains that they're needed to do anything inside the prison. He tells Ganta to read the handbook for more information, and when Shiru pops out of the ceiling. And then, well, Shiro then pops out of the ceiling when he's like, hey, you should read the handbook for more information. She wants to participate in a in the dog race, which is an event used to entertain the theme park guests. Basically, a bunch of prisoners are put up against one another, get to the end, and the winner receives 100,000 cast points, which is going to be enough for Ganta to buy a candy, which the death row inmates have to eat um, every approximately three days because they are wearing collars and this collar has a slow-acting poison that is being injected into their bodies and the candy is the antidote and without consuming one every three days the inmate will die he was supposed to have one in his welcome package but uh it mysteriously vanished (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wonder who took that the trio enter the dog race but in the waiting room before it begins katsuma kyozuji former olympic uh, martial arts champion comes into the room and starts throwing hands at disrespectful people. Because of this, Yo is out of commission, and so they drag him away on a stretcher, and he goes back to the infirmary. He just basically he just he's a punching bag throughout this entire anime. Yeah, he kind of gets shit on. Yeah, the a lot. Whole time. Yeah, and he's like one of the only people with like normal healing abilities. He's Frillin from Dragon Ball. Yeah, poor baby. He needs he needs hugs. Anyway, so because Yo was out of commission for the yeah Yo was out of commission for the race. However, Yo reported to the creepy guy lawyer dude who is actually the oh, what do they call him? He's the promoter for the prison. And yeah, so he so the lawyer dude was actually the promoter, and he set Gunter up to be in the prison. That's explained very early on, and well, it's not really explained; it's implied very early on, um, and then it's confirmed. told, and then yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, but like the the lawyer dude is never like you're. Ne- That's another thing that I consider a mistake. If I were them, I would have made the lawyer dude really nice. But he was creepy from the second you saw him. So you're like, oh well, he's a creepy dude. Yeah. Like you didn't. You never thought he was nice. It wouldn't have suited his personality though. No, but you could make him like I don't know. I feel like because of the fact that he, especially in his like personal office where everything was surrounded by toys and stuff, I feel like you could have given him like a dual-sided personality where he had this like really childlike, friendly, bubbly personality that was then masquerade like masking the villain that he is, and then giving him moments of like real like childlike innocence. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. Just playing with ideas though. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Yo is actually working with creepy lawyer dude, the the promoter, um, and told him that Gantu is entering the race. And because of that, the obstacles were put to maximum danger levels. It's over 9,000! Literally. Um, the warden comes in, who has tiggle biddies, and <laughs> F, F. It's established in the first episode, because anime trope. And she didn't even care to tell. She's just like, Fuck Yeah, it. but they <laughs> also didn't include the band size. So that doesn't... I mean, yeah, she has tiggle biddies, but cup size doesn't have... Like, if you don't have the band size, that's how you know that a man wrote wrote that in. Because, um, yeah, just cup size doesn't establish size of boob. I don't don't know how that shit works anyway. Oh, well, okay. I'll explain it this way. A 34A and a, let me think, 30C are the same cup size, are the same boob size. 34A 
30C. Same boob size. Very different images in your head, right? Yes. Yeah. So cup size has nothing to do with it because of the band. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see? There's, like, magic to bras. <laughs> I mean, I figured there was something about it. Yeah. But... So just saying that you're an F-size cup doesn't necessarily mean that you have tiggle bitties. I don't... I mean, you probably do have tiggle bitties if you're in the F area. But, like, that doesn't just mean that they're tiggle bitties. You could have a really wide back. You're... Now I just feel like <laughs> all the relationships I've ever been in, I've been lied to. Yeah, Because this has huh? never been explained. Conf- so. Yeah, see? The, the magic of, now, t- the magic well, of bitties. Again, yeah, like, I've never also known any of my prior relationships brawl sizes, so it... But still, I feel like there's been a missing piece of information that I've never gotten in yeah. any of the relationships that I've been in. Yeah. So this is like, oh, but this is the like thing a whole though. new world of territory. This is this is a secret that a lot of women don't even know. So that's why it's important to go get proper fittings. Otherwise, you can hurt your back and your shoulders, and you end up with not fun comfortableness. So people who have breastuses out there, spoil yourself. I know it's expensive. But go get measured properly, because if you're going to wear them every day, if you're one of those people that wears them every day, make sure that you're living your life in luxury. It's worth the, worth the money. Go to a proper boutique. Get measured. Moving on from the tick old babies. So anyway, the warden comes in uh, to end the fighting. Well, she's she's actually coming in to take them out into the arena, but when she sees that there's fighting as well, she's like, mm, stop it. She's not like that at all. She's actually aggressive and kind of a badass. <laughs> yeah, she's a badass, but you know. Oh, she's so much of a badass that there was a line in there that had me cackling because I was like, how can you? It's like, hmm, I have a character that I'm trying to make seem like a badass. So what am I going to do? Oh, I know. I'm going to have somebody ask them what their favorite thing to eat is. And I'm going to have their response be, it was like whiskey, a glass of wine. And if there's room for dessert, steak. And I was like, yeah, you're trying. <laughs> it was so funny to me. I was like, that you're trying to make us seem like... Yeah, she's she's a badass woman. I'm gonna have her whiskey is her first thing that she likes to eat for dinner. Uh, maybe <laughs> honestly, I thought that was hilarious. It was uh, so funny. It was great. Yeah, but anyway, one comes in to end the fighting. During the race, people are being killed left, right, and center. It is gruesome. Um, it's not fun. It's like what's that show with the with the big red <laughs> balls that you jump on and go splat? Wipeout. Yeah, there's Wipeout, there's a Ninja Warrior, That those, those kind of shows. It's like that, but like with death. Like swinging padded things coming across? Nah, it's axes, bruh. Yeah, blades. And you watch a dude get shredded. Oh yeah, lots of fun. And Chiro's helping Ganto through the entire course. But soon Ganto gets frustrated saying that he's just not going to follow the rules. He's like, nah, I'm, I don't know what you want from me, but I ain't doing it. And he doesn't care anymore. And they end up making it to the final level. Where they must play a game of spleef. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. I only know it is spleef. The floor is lava. The floor is lava. Yeah, so the But running only and... certain bits of the floor is lava. Yeah, so they're on like a checkerboard kind of thing, or a chessboard, and every now and again one of the squares will light up, and then after it lights up, it will like fall down in the ground, and then the ground underneath the, that thing will just be spikes of death. So the, basically the floor is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and they're having to jump from platform to platform. Kozuji is their opponent. So it's it's uh, Ganta, Shiro, and Kozuji, who's the muscle dude who was beating up everybody else in, in, the, in the waiting room. And they have a ball and the last one holding the ball wins. 
Kosuji is an idiot, and soon Shiru uh, and Shiru is about to fall. Gunta gives up the ball to save Shiro and loses the 100,000 points, cast points, knowing that he won't be able to purchase the candy now. No one wins the dog race that day, but um, Shiro and uh, Gunta survive. Yeah. So technically, don't they both win? Technically, they both win, but they don't get the cast points. Boo. Boo. Episode three, G-Block. Gunter is writing a letter to the father of his friend that he supposedly killed when Yo comes into his cell telling him that they are cellmates. Yo apologizes for losing Gunter's first candy when he knocked into him on the first day and hands him another one to replace it. So basically gives it back. The prison promoter, the lawyer dude, put him up to watching over Gunter and has been paying him for doing so in cost points. Yo takes Ganta for some ice cream when there is a breach in, in the red man's cage and he manages to escape, um, injuring many inmates. Ganta attempts to fight him off, but he isn't strong enough. And the red man leaves him through... And the, the red man leaves, and though Yo has now seen Ganta's blood powers, although at this point we don't actually know that it's blood, but like I think you can put it... You can you you think it's blood pretty quick. It's the exact same color as all of the other blood, and it's coming out of his body. So I think you're like, okay, yeah, it's blood. But yeah, it doesn't actually get explained. I think until the next episode, where he figures out that it's it's his blood that he's able to manipulate. And now the promoter did as well. Now the promoter has had confirmation that Ganta is a red man, um, and he welcomes him now into the player of the true of a dead man. Sorry, he now welcomes him in as a player in the true dead man wonderland. Basically what it is, is it's an underground fighting ring between people who have these special blood powers. And there are rich people who watch through, like, basically tune into a stream and make bets and make a lot of money off of it. And that's the true purpose of the prison, is to be making money through these underground bets of this fighting arena of these people that have this special ability. And Gunter has now been confirmed as one. Gunter overhears some of the inmates saying that they have seen the Red Man before and that he is kept in Block G. Gunter, Shiro, and Yo go to find him. The warden has been told that what happened was a terrorist attack and she doesn't believe that. She thinks that Gunter is the cause and somehow managed to sneak a weapon into the prison hiding it within his own body. So she's kind of along the right tracks. She sends a killer robot after him. The trio escape the robot and head to the secret G block where the warden loses track of them, now knowing that there's a place in the prison that she doesn't have control over. The robot continues to try and kill them and Ganta can't use his abilities on command. He still hasn't figured out how to make them work yet until the red man intercepts. Slice. So much happened. So much happened. So much happened. Yeah, I feel like that could have been a whole season. Yeah... Yeah, there's a lot of that that could have been, at the very least, this could have been two fucking cores. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, or at the very least, could have been two episodes. Yeah. If this was Dragon Ball Z, it would have been three seasons. Yeah. Every obstacle would have been an episode yeah. amongst all the yelling and internal dialogue. Yeah. Episode four, Crow Claw. Ganta tries to attack the Red Man but has a horrid time as he's completely unable to use his abilities. And soon though, he realizes that the man isn't actually the red man, but in fact, another one with powers. And he calls himself the crow and calls Gunter Woodpecker. He's told that what he has is a branch of sin and uh, he wields the ability to manipulate his blood. They fight again and Gunter is able to get a good hit on Crow before he gets embarrassed by boobs. Um, and, then, and then the pair get tranquilized by a special unit. 
Why did that sound like an innuendo? By a special, like, guard unit. <laughs> you know, my brain didn't go there until you said that. Oh, God. And then you literally went from plot to a special unit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's not, that's, that's bad. Anyway, okay. Shiro is found to have no identification number, which is very confusing because all of the inmates have an ID number, except for her. And yet she says that she's never been outside of the prison. Yo starts listening for more information and everything is magically cleared up before the warden can explore the area. So she like comes down to the area and uh, where they entered, where they like, disappeared, and there's just nothing there. It's just a wall. Gunter wakes up in a lab where he meets his lawyer slash the promoter again and is, and this is the first time where it's confirmed to him as a character that uh, his lawyer was an arsehole and is the promoter. Because at this point he has no idea who the promoter is, right? And again, he's told about the upcoming fight with Crow tomorrow, where he will be placed, uh, where bets will be placed, and he has a chance to win candy and cast points. He also learns that the promoter faked the evidence that got him convicted, and that the red man resides in G-Block, and that if he wins enough fights, he may be able to fight him. And that's the end of episode four. Episode five... Carrion Festival, or brackets, Carnival Corpse. Ganta fights Crow in the Carnival Corpse fight, but because of his youth and inexperience, he's quickly overwhelmed. Everyone thinks that the battle will be easily finished. However, one thing about Ganta is that he never gives up, and he remembers spending parts of his childhood with Shiro and starts fighting again. So he has flashbacks and he now realizes that Shiro and him actually have a deeper relationship than he thought, even though we kind of knew that in the first episode because Shiro, like, knew who he was before he knew who she was. Um, turns out he just forgot her, which is... It's not explained. No, like, I feel like they should, ex like, have elaborated to be like, oh, yeah, when the explosion happened in Tokyo and he survived, because I think his mom died in that explosion, right? Yes. I think it should have been, like, he hit his head really bad and has no memories. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's explained in the manga and it's like they experimented on him or something and, and made him forget. I don't know. But in this show, he just forgot her. He was just like, sorry, bye. It makes me think of uh, like Tokyo Ghoul in six minutes. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, hey, why did this happen? I don't know. Maybe it makes sense in the manga. Mm. I wish anime was more self-aware with shit like that. Yeah. Like, if it actually said that in an anime, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd that would that. be hilarious. You could get away with so much with that, though. Especially if you just made an anime and it didn't have a manga. Right? Like, that would be so funny. You would confuse so many people, but it would be brilliant yeah. all at the same time. I feel like that's the kind of shit that uh, the daily lives of high school boys would pull. Yeah, either that or Tonika-kun. Yeah. Like, I could see Tonika being like, huh, I wonder if this happened in the manga. <laughs> and just, like, really casually, and then leaving it like that, and all the other characters are like, what? And then, like, during the transition, you just see Ota just flipping through it. Yeah. Oh, that, that would be, would really be brilliant. That would be super Oh my funny. god. <laughs> somebody hire us. So Yeah, somebody hire us. We're good at coming up with stupid ideas. We're not good with the actual work, but if no. you want ideas yeah. that are gold, we got you. Yeah. <laughs> if you want us to follow through with those ideas, however, uh... Give us a really good team and a decent budget, and we can make it happen. We can make it happen. We've we know writers. Directors. We know lots of writers. That is true. Yeah. That means we just need animators, 
and key animators and an animation director and storyboarders and and everybody else assistant directors and producers and no no i feel like you and i are just gonna like be both director and co-director at the same time but nobody's gonna know who's who and nobody's gonna know who's who like we always refer to ourselves as the director and the other as the assistant director yeah <laughs> and this is the running narrative Your first ad anyway yeah so he's now got like these memories back of shiro and he starts wanting to fight again um and he ends up hitting crow with one good blow causing him to win the bout uh and crow ends up losing an eye in the punishment game which is a game that happens so basically after you lose your fight you then get strapped down to a chair they pull a lever on one of them gambling machines what are those slot machines uh you yes. can tell that i've done a lot of gambling in my life and and then ding 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 you get to choose one and crows was his right eye his right eye yes and and yeah so he lost an eye and yo and shiro are trying to make it back to g block but all of the enemies have en- enemies all of the entrances that they are currently aware of have been destroyed a man comes up to yo telling him that he has information that he's uh, that he's been looking for about the about a girl that's being kept in G Block. Yo uses Shiro as a distraction um, for the guard tower so that he can a- he's able to get in through the vents to be able to get back into G Block on the roof. But she possesses secret abilities, and when like all of these guards come in and like surround her with weapons and stuff, and he's thinking that she's going to get off and he's sacrificed her, um, that doesn't happen when her lullaby stops and she kills everyone leaving Yo as witness. Wait, you mean to tell me the girl with white hair, with a red and white bodysuit, with bright red eyes, that wears mittens, has secret powers? You know, I never would have thought that the most unique looking character would have been more than just a side character, you know? I thought that's how it worked in anime. Like, if you're if you're really unique looking, if you have, like, different color hair to everybody else or whatever then you're just like, you sit in the background, right? Like, Shiro should have been the main character, is what you're getting at. She should have just, like, sat in the library the entire time. Although, she would have made for a much better main character than fucking Gonta. She's very cute. Snacks. Snacks. Cookies. Episode six, Hummingbird. Hummingbird! This is one of the episodes that I'm most infuriated about because it falls into the same trap as the first episode, but this one is trying to pull you on a twist. And they rushed it. Frustrates me. Shiro falls unconscious after the attack of the guard tower, and she's picked up by weird twins that guards the old man's room. Who He's the director of the whole thing, but he's very sick. And Yo continues on his way to G-Block. Gonta wakes up and overhears a commotion going on outside of his new cell. A girl around his age with and a very large hungry man are having an altercation. He wants to eat her potted primrose that she's holding. Gonta gives him his dinner as to appease him and he eats the whole tray. Despite that, however, he is still not satisfied his monstrous appetite is still not satisfied and so the teens run off and manage to escape into her room where she explains that she is a contestant contestant of the carnival corpse festival and a fellow branch of sin user she tells him that she was abused by her father after her mother died and that uh she got really upset one day and out of out of uh self-defense she ended up killing him one evening when it got too bad her brother came home and discovered her and protected her, and he never believed that she would be the one to do such a thing. 
and thought that it was all a setup or that something else had happened. He could never believe that she was the one to kill her, her dad. And he was always fighting for her freedom. Ganta promises to help her escape when he finds out that the two of them are set up for the next bout. The next fight that Ganta is in is supposed to be against this young girl who suffered from all of this abuse. And he promises to help her escape, but gets injured when they when they try. Guards stop them, but tell them to call it uh, as they fight tomorrow anyways. She is Hummingbird, his next opponent. Also, sorry, he didn't find out beforehand. He found out when the guards try to stop them. Their fight begins and Ganta refuses to fight her until she reveals that it was a setup all along and that she isn't the innocent girl that she made him believe she was. Her mother abandoned her at a young age in favor of a potted plant and it messed her brain up. Yo, who has now snuck into G-Block, sees Ganta attack Hummingbird and stands in to protect her. And this is when it's revealed that he is the older brother of her story. He had been saving up millions of cast points to get her out, and that's why he was working with the promoter all along. Ganta tells Hummingbird not to push everyone away because just because the one person betrayed her and she ends up using her brother as a human shield, like she reveals to him that she's crazy. And he ends up managing to save Yo, who... Uh, is being used as a human shield and headbutts her unconscious winning the match see what i mean about that being like that's so much for one episode yes and because of that you don't feel like i'm sorry but when she was like oh i'm actually evil i was like yeah i knew it yeah it's so rushed anyway episode seven original sin wretched egg ganta checks on yo and hummingbird after the fight, I'm going to keep calling her that. She has a name, but I'm going to keep calling her Hummingbird. Where, her name is actually Minatsuki, but there you go. <laughs> hummingbird. Yeah, Hummingbird. After the fight, where an earthquake of sorts causes the cabinets to fall on Minatsuki. However, her brother is there to protect her. Yo asks Ganta about Shiro and Ganta, about Shiro. And Ganta explains that they were childhood friends and that he somehow forgot. Shiro has a totally different personality when she fights the director of the prison, and as she was taken to him after being knocked unconscious by the twins, after, like, the whole thing with the guard tower. Shiro and Ganta used to play where, with a superhero that looks awfully a lot like, dead, uh, like the red man that killed all of Ganta's classmates, that we don't care about. <laughs> Yo... Uh, doesn't tell Ganta about her abilities and about the guard tower situation. He keeps that to himself. Yo goes to get the cast points that had been stolen from him from one of the guards that when he was knocked unconscious and so that he can pay for his sister's way out of the punishment game. But he meets with the promoter and his lackey, the monk, on his way out. And he is informed that the cast points work totally differently. Totally differently? Totally different. They work totally different in G-Block. They can't buy their way out. They can't buy their way out of the, the fights. They can't buy their way out of prison. And they can't buy their way, way out of the punishment game. Like, um, you can like you can buy your way out of prison if you're not in G-Block. After being, after being baited, basically, Yo attacks the monk and gets beat to shit. So he just got out of the infirmary and then he gets beat to shit again. Ganta is being recruited by two other dead men that call themselves... Scar chain and want to break out and destroy the birdcage, which is what they consider the like the the I guess it's like their version of like UFC or whatever. You know, the birdcage is what they call the fighting arena system. Mm-hmm. They manage to save Hummingbird uh, as the punishment game begins by calling in a favor and making the machine turn to hair, so um, she just gets her hair cut off. And Shiro is revealed to be the red man. Da, 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 da. Also, the monk attacks the Scar Chain boss 
bringing a broken yo with him as well. Again, so much happens. It's so confusing because like I'm trying to explain it, but like if you don't know, like if you can't picture what I'm saying in my head, I feel like what I'm saying in your head, I feel like you would just get confused. It's a very confusing set of circumstances. Yeah. Episode eight, Chains of Freedom, Scar Chain. Gante is introduced to everyone in Scar Chain after they fight with the, after the fight with the monk is ended and Shiro drops from the ceiling because that's, she seems to do that a lot. One tech dude who was uh, the one to fix the hummingbird's punishment game results. Um, one of the guys that they were introduced to was a tech dude who's the one to fix the hummingbird's punishment game results. Ganta tries to tell them that when he was fighting the the monk, his blood like dissipated before it ended up reaching him. But the tech dude pulls up the security footage and just shows him missing. And Ganta ends up throwing a tantrum and storming out. And he promises Shiro, uh, and he storms out. Gunter ends up promising Shiro that he is going to take her for a ride in the Ferris wheel. And we learn that some of uh, some of Scarchay members' backstory, specifically Nagi, who had a wife and a child, and his wife was killed in uh, one of the punishment, in one of the uh, fights. And, well, like escaping from the fight, it was a guard that ended up killing her. She ended up dying. And his daughter is living outside of the prison and he's never met her because she was taken as an infant. And so he's trying to escape with everybody to be able to see his daughter. And we also learn that the facility is going undergoing a week-long inspection and that Scarchain plans on starting an uprising or like figuring out a way to escape throughout this time period. And the monk is actually part of an anti-deadman group because regular guards can't deal with these guys, right? So the promoter has made an anti-deadman group called the Undertakers. Tech dude, Roku, Rokuro, is actually a double agent and he is actually an undertaker and so therefore faked the video, uh, Ganta's blood not dissipating and him just missing. The uprising begins, crop top chick is a uh, self-sacrifice. Uh, Kariko self-sacrifices herself, ends up falling down into a pit of despair and you're just like, oh, sad. Oh no, that actually happens at the beginning of the next episode. At this point, she's just going, no, leave me, run off and save yourself. And and is about to die from an acid-spitting robot. It's a trip, man. Yeah, this shows, like, it's exhausting to kind of, like, read this back. I feel like I'm running out of energy as we speak. I've been out of energy all day, and this is just, ugh. Yeah, it's really draining. And it's because you have no real emotional connection to any of these characters. And I keep saying that, but I genuinely feel like it. Like, I didn't give a shit about anybody. No, like, the only person that I gave a shit about was Shiro. Yeah, Shiro. I don't even give a fuck about the main character. He could die for yeah, all I care. Like, like I don't care about it. he's a whiny little bitch. Like, yeah. fuck off. Shiro's cool, though. Shiro's cool. And I think the reason why Shiro is cool is because she's the only one that has human moments. Mm-hmm. She's the only one that's, like, sitting eating cookies for a while and just, like, talking about her feelings, you know? Like, nobody else has has time to establish a personality. That Crow I'm kind of cool with, too. Crow, Crow is cool. Crow is... He's mm-hmm. okay. Yo is also fine, because, like, he had a mission, and, you know... He also just got beat to shit, like, every time he's on screen. It's like there's a 50-50 chance that he's going to get beat to shit. Honestly, I could go with the warden backstory. Yeah, she's cool. And I like her relationship with her, I don't know, second in her command. Her subordinate? Yeah, her subordinate, her second in command. They're hilarious. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really... 
It's a really nifty little dynamic. Yeah, it's like, how the fuck did she end up working in a prison? Like, what happened in her life? Because she needs to be working at a flower shop or a bakery or something. What is she doing in a prison? Yeah, she's really funny. Yeah, no, I... Yeah, those guys are cool. See, this is the thing. It's like secondary characters that are fine. But, like, other than Shiro, anybody that you're supposed to give a shit about, you just don't. No. That's so bad. It was so draining to watch this. It wasn't fun. I didn't enjoy it. It was a chore. It really was a chore. Yeah. Anyway, episode nine, pro-oxidant, brackets, worm eater. Kaneko destroys the acid robot but falls down with it into the darkness. The group progressed with Ganta, now going with the microchip, which is they're trying to get the microchip outside of the prison so that they can give the public evidence of what's been happening inside of the prison and of G-Block and of everything else that's happening. But they get inside the elevator with the microchip and Ganta has been given uh, the, like, this is your chip, you hold on to it like your life which i also don't understand okay because like he's the new kid on the in the group you know there's an entire group of of people there that have been working to escape this prison for like years right um he is a brand new kid he's 14 years old and they're all just like yes child this is your responsibility now it's up to you to get this chip outside. Whereas, like, there are people there that have been training for years for this specific operation. But one kid that's like, oh, I've been here two days. And they're like, yeah, okay, it's your chance. Like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, Barker. I, I that actually, like, I was watching it and I was like, I, if I were one of those members of the group, I'd be like, no, no, don't give it to the kid. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, God, that's so, that actually made me laugh at the stupidity of that. Anyway, they get inside uh, the elevators and they're waiting for uh, Rokuro and Nagi to open the elevators from the control room. However, Rokuro reveals that he is the double agent uh, and stands by the undertaker. Dida Hibana fights him. She's a little girl with a big sword. You know how that works. And after defeating her, Nagi ends up pulling the lever, though, and activates the lift. Rokuro's just like, I'm not getting involved. I don't know why he didn't stop him. But he didn't. And everyone ends up getting to the top floor with uh, the chip that they need to get out to the outside world to show the world everything's happening in the prison. Excuse me. Everything is happening in the prison. The monk and the other stormtroopers are there to greet them with death. I call them stormtroopers because they don't hit anything. Soon, barely anyone is left because uh, the monk is doing a good job of killing everybody. And Nagi radios from the hideout. Uh, radios from his tooth, sorry, to the hideout. That doesn't make any sense if you haven't watched the show. Whilst he is dying on the floor. Shiro overhears and meets with the Undertaker because there's like another person there who's standing in the room. And the other person tells Shiro about this message. And Shiro's like, oh, uh, I'm going to take this information to Ganta. And so she runs off to go fight uh, Ganta, who's with the Undertaker, uh, the monk, and takes the microchip from him. And after they've just managed to defeat everybody and getting ready to escape and throws it into a hallway, closes the door and uh, presses herself against the door and it explodes. And she's like, yay, I saved you. Episode 10, Caretaker, Brackets, Undertaker. Ganta and the few remaining survivors are furious with Shiro and Ganta ends up hitting her. And calling, uh, because she called him weak, basically. It, like, well, he hit her because she got rid of the microchip. But then she called him weak. And uh, that's when he was like, ah, and hit her. So, like, yeah, rude. The warden is still investigating. 
into like the promoter because she's like I know that something's fucked going on here and she overhears a conversation about the dead man so she now knows there's something like she knew there was something bigger going on but she now has some more information to back that the group gather together what's left of Scar Chain gather together back at the hideout and Karako bands them all together and tries to get them to reformulate their escape route because they still have the rest of the week to try and get out whilst this investigation is going on throughout the prison. Nagi has been taken by the monk and is being pumped full of just nameless drugs, just something. And they're trying to get him, uh, he's trying to recruit him to be an undertaker. Shiro is sad um, and she ends up meeting up with Mockingbird, who is who we then find out was the person who overheard what happened in the uh, hideout and told Shiro about it. Um, so we find out, like, the Mockingbird was who it was, um, who told her that the chip was dangerous. And Rokuro invades the hideout, explains that it was all a setup, and that the chip was a bomb. So now Ganta realizes that he was a dick. The crow ends up saving everyone there, but refuses to join the group because he likes it there, because, um, it, like, at least in the prison, he knows what he's facing. Like, it's, it's, honest, it, it's honestly fucked up, as opposed to the masquerade of normal life in the outside world, which does make me intrigued about the OVA that we mentioned previously about his backstory, because I want to know why he thinks that it's better off in the prison than outside, right? But he's not wrong, though. No, also true. Show is a decent metaphor for real life, though. Mm -hmm. True. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Gontor is now feeling like shit because of Shiro saving him, and uh, when Crow leaves, he follows him. Episode 11, Gig of Despair. Ganta, hating that he is so weak, asks Crow to train him, where he's getting his ass handed to him, and uh, the other members of Scar Chain, whilst he is training, start another attempt to get one of their uh, to get them to the outside, and they leave Ganta out of it because they say he's been through enough and all this. And this is why I'm like, why did you give him the microchip if you are like he's a child and he's been through so much to get here and we like we need to protect him as as the child here why the hell did you put that responsibility you knew you were aware of everything why did you put that responsibility on him like three episodes ago not even an episode ago it feels like three episodes ago one episode ago why did you put that responsibility on him to only be like oh no he's been through so much like three seconds later like for christ's sake angry and I'm also angry about the fact that Ganta levels up his power from barely being able to do anything to shooting his blood at the speed of sound in an episode. <laughs> Nobody can level up that fast. Now that's just, that's just shonen. But like, no, it's not though, because like, um, I'm going to keep comparing it to Demon Slayer. But how, like, what did we say? A full year of training, right? A year and a half. A year and a half of, of training. training. Yeah, to get to where he was. But I literally watched Goku become a god in Dragon Ball time, 48 minutes. Like, not only did he achieve the power of a god, but he mastered the power of a god in 48 minutes. <sighs> so, this gets a pass. Uh, I still from don't, that perspective. That's one I trope. don't like it, because yeah. at least in Dragon Ball's case, that was literally a span of 30 episodes. Yeah, I this think- This was not- <laughs> I think that's the thing, is if if it was, if it had to be like he had to level up in a day, 
I still don't think it should have been one episode or a half an episode. If you can even consider it a half. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It just pisses me off that it happened so quickly. But everything happened so quickly in this, so whatever. But I feel like I would have loved, like, maybe an entire freaking core of Ganta and Crow being his freaking sensei. Like... <laughs> leveling up training behind the scenes because the thing about it is another thing that doesn't make sense about this okay is ganta is like hey he's the new kid he's gonna be fighting for the like uh these games right um he's gonna fight two fights right off the bat one day after the other right and nobody else is gonna fight during that time what that is not how these works okay that's not how that's not how fighting arenas work that's not how how betting works that's not how that works so there would be time if, because the, then they could have really cool montages of him working his ass off in the training room and then flicking over to like Hummingbird fighting freaking, I don't know, somebody else in the arena and then flicking back to him training with Crow and then flicking back, you know? Mm-hmm. And then have like at least a week of training. At least a week, please. Um, Mate, I, this is anime. You're asking too much. I know I'm asking too much. Um, but yeah, that's one trope that I really don't like, is the level up in three seconds thing. I like people to work for their powers. I mean, in My Hero Academia, it took Deku five seasons to just now be able to use 20% of his power. Mm. So, you know. Basically what I'm saying is, I want a Let's Make a Man Out of You style montage in every anime. Oh, fuck. I just realized something. What? You have to finish an entire season of My Hero Academia before next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Ganvate. <laughs> I'm glad I reminded you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna get on you that. You forgot. You forgot, didn't you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Gantar is training with Crow. Gachi members are going off on their own thing while they leave Gantar out of it. Shiro is eating her feelings, including chocolates filled with liqueur. The monk finds Shiro and Karako and captures them in a her controversial scene. Nagi pumped with drugs, reveals his insanity. Ganta manages to make uh, a bullet travel fast enough to break the sound barrier, rendering it effective against the blood-dissolving weapons because it doesn't actually, like, they can't, the blood-dissolving weapons doesn't dissolve the blood because, well, it does still dissolve the blood, but the shockwave of the sound barrier breaking is still enough to damage the person, right? That's the way that works. Shiro, yeah, and he goes to save Shiro now, despite the fact that he has, like, no blood left because he'd been training all day. Because he, his blood works in projectiles, so he loses blood, whereas other people have, like, blood blades and stuff where they don't ever lose the blood. Well, it's, like, outside of the body, but, like, they can put it back, whereas he can't. And the Mockingbird meets up with him, too, and explains that he was dead for a while, but he's back now, and that's never really elaborated on. And Nagi is about to lose all of his shits, and that is the end of episode 11. Episode 12, Relief, brackets, Grateful Dead. Nagi kills all the guards, and his eyes are white from insanity. Gone to protect Shiro, and uh, his brave, stupid words, um, combined with Karako's bell, remind Nagi of his humanity. Although, uh, and Nagi's going insane because he realized that his daughter was actually dead all along and his wife never actually gave birth. She died pregnant and uh, he's he then slaughtered everybody um, and uh, went on a rampage. And the monk found him like beautiful during that time and got aroused because of his insanity and so the monk was trying to re-establish Nagi in that way but because of Karako's bell and uh, Ganta's idiotic behavior 
um, Nagi comes back to his senses. Although the monk has other ideas and ends up stabbing Karako. She manages to stop the bleeding because of her armor-style use of her sin, and Ganta continues to protect Shiro, calling her his best friend. She's still mad at him at this point, but as soon as she says best friend, then she's like, okay, we're, we're cool now. The monk isn't having it, and after his backstory and realizing that Nagi has regained his senses, he blasts a hole through Nagi. Ganta thinks that he can be a big bad boy and stand up to him, um, but it's actually Shiro using her ability to completely manipulate him, um, and he doesn't realize because she's standing behind him. The, uh, yeah, so she's using a red man powers. Nagi dies, but gives a candy to Ganta, ensuring his survival, because he's about to time out as well. Um, everyone escapes through a giant hole in the wall, except for Ganta and the unconscious Shiro, because he's like, ah, oh, just kidding, I want to save all my friends, so I'm going to stay in prison. And the Mockingbird gains the powers he consumes in a kind of, did you ever watch Heroes? The superhero show? No. No, okay, there's a a guy called Sila in the show and he has this ability where um, he can like absorb other people's powers. That's his, his power. Um, I just figured it was one for all from my hero. Yeah, effectively. Like I just looked at this shit as quirks. <laughs> yeah, effectively. I recommend watching Hero. It's good. Heroes. Well, I'll add it to my queue. Yeah, it's, it's uh, actually pretty decent. And and yeah, and Mockingbird is now interested in Ganta. He knows about Shiro and I have a, it possibly is Gramps, like the way that they were projecting it, like it seems like Gramps may have like transferred his brain into Mockingbird's body and that's why he was dead for a while. I don't know though. And Mockingbird is like the the strongest dead man. The promoter gets promoted and he is now the director because the director is dead. And the warden is investigating the happenings, setting up an untold trap. So the last like scenes of the show is the warden talking about uh, a trap that she set up for the now director was promoter to catch him in what's been going on. And that's the cliffhanger that you're left on. Not only that, but Ganta and Shiro talking about riding the Ferris wheel. Oh yeah, that too. Which is in the view of the giant hole, so if they literally just, like, stepped out, they could go ride it. Or, like, they're sitting on the roof, just looking at it, and like, hey, I still gotta keep my promise to you that we're gonna ride that thing. Yeah. But everyone else has escaped, because they left through the giant hole in the wall. (laughs) If if it were me, as a 22-year-old adult, and I was in a prison where all of this stuff was happening, and it was unjust, like, unjustly put there... Like, it was, we're escaping from this hellhole. Everybody's died. Like, it's clear, like, torture and everything like that. And two 14-year-olds were like, nah, we're not going to leave with you. I would knock them the fuck out and bring them with me. They don't get a choice. They, like, I wouldn't leave them behind. They're children. Yep. And they're just like, nah, it's cool. You can stay. (laughs) Ah! So many issues. So many issues, but that aggravates me so much that the adults in- I mean, I know anime adults, okay? We can just leave that sentence as it is. I know anime adults. However, the fuck? Yeah, just the fuck. At least normally in animes where there are children and adults, there's like a group of children and then a group of adults, and it's like children versus adults. But in this instance- it's like, there are adults there that are able to protect the children. And they're just like, nah, you're on your own, kid. Yeah. Anyway, that's, yeah. Anything else you want to say on the show? First time watching it through, I'd give it a seven. 
watching it through this time, it gets a two. Oh, that's rough. OP and ED thoughts? Eh and eh. Mm-hmm. The only good thing, like the only saving grace on the OP or ED is the Ferris wheel animation and like the photos of all the people behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the only saving grace the ED gets. How was the English voice acting? Awful. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I suppose it was... Uh, no, it's... It, I was going to say, I suppose it was pretty early on in the voice acting thing, but, like, it's not actually that old. No, it's not. It's only, like, six or seven years old. Yeah. So, gross. 2011, you said? Or 2013? I can't remember. It's either 2011 or 2013. Either way, BBZ's voice acting in the 90s was better. 2011. So it's nine years old. Yeah, I, I feel like... Uh, the voice acting in the, the sub was fine. Nobody had, like, a really annoying voice or somebody that was, like, stuck out to me. It was fine. Gonta's voice annoyed me. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a frustration out of ten. Um, I'm gonna give it a... I would recommend it still for people to watch, so I'm not gonna rate it too low, because it's not like I would never recommend it. Because, like, if you're in the right mood, and... I don't know. Uh, As a first-time watch, it is great. It does not hold up well for a rewatch. Yeah. Um, I, I'm actually having a really hard time rating this. If you've made it this far and you haven't seen it, so you've listened through all the spoilers, just don't fucking watch it. Yeah, it's not worth it. The pacing is awful. And it's really hard to, to talk about plot holes because I don't know if they were plot holes or if they would have been explained later on. Because there's nothing that's directly contradictory. I say we read the manga and mm. revisit it at some point. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to rewatch it, but I wouldn't mind talking about the manga. I refuse to rewatch it. Um, I'm going to give it a... I didn't hate it. I didn't despise it. It was very... Like, it was a chore to watch. I wouldn't have finished it if I wasn't reviewing it for the podcast. I would have just, like, stopped watching. So I'm going to give it a 4 out of 10. No, I'm going to give it a 3 out of 10 because of some... Yeah, I'm going to give it a 3 out of 10 because they're, like... Uh, it's just not good. It's not good. So genuinely let us know what your guys' opinions are at home about what you think of this show. If you've seen it one time, if you have watched it multiple times, if it is your favorite show, if you absolutely despise it, have you read the manga? Like we want to know all this kind of stuff because like we've said many times, we are not professional reviewers in the sense that we do. We have no degrees in anything. We've never been to film school. We don't know shit about shit. So they're literally just two weirdos who like anime are just talking about it. That's that's our credentials. So so let us know your genuine thoughts on on this show, on the plotline. And if you've read the manga, let us know if the manga's better or worse or what your comparison is of the two. Because yeah, neither of us have read the manga and we're super curious about that as well. I feel like we're ending spooky month on a somber note. I know. But Fast-paced action begins next week with free. Yeah, we're jumping right into sports month, which is my month. When does free come out? Free comes out on the... It comes out on your birthday. It comes out on it my drops birthday. on November 8th. Ooh. That, that was literally the reason why I swapped it. Yeah, because we so, were going to watch Baby Steps, but Baby Steps magically walked away. We can find it anywhere. So, yeah, we were supposed to cover Baby Steps. But we couldn't find like it. Like I said, there. I couldn't I couldn't find it anywhere on all the streaming services that I pay for for the podcast. Mm-hmm. So just like mm, <laughs> for the podcast, it. because you totally wouldn't be paying for them for anime otherwise. Well, Amazon Prime and shit, I probably wouldn't be paying for that. Oh, that's true. But Twitch. I'd, I'll do it for the podcast anyway. That was initially the plan, but Blue has also brought up 
uh, free in the past. So I figured, what a better way to fuck up our recording schedule by covering something that she just really wants to watch. And since it's her birthday, I'm more than willing to oblige. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the reasons why I keep bringing it up is because Brad is a huge fan of women. And uh, this is also one of the most, I feel like one of the most shipped animes of all time. But I swear, if this turns into another dive, I'm canceling sports it won't. No, it won't. Free is different. Free is, free was the haikyuu before haikyuu was a thing. This is fangirl territory. You're in fangirl territory with watching free. Just so you're aware. So brace yourself. Well, I am fine with that. I don't think I've ever been to an anime convention when they didn't have giant body pillows with these dudes on them. I could see that. Yeah. Like, they they sell the cosplay jackets that these guys wear at every anime convention I've ever been to. There is so much fan drawings and, and like, artist alleys are always filled with, like, little knickknacks and keychains of them. There is a lot of free merch. This is major fangirl territory. If you don't like it, Brad, it's not me you're pissing off, but the army will come. <laughs> well, all I can say is... Is that it was your suggestion. It was. So you will be blamed if I do not like it. Hey, it's my birthday. <laughs> you can't be mean to me. Says the person who did not wish me a happy birthday on mine. Hey, I kind of did in a roundabout way. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I, I asked you if you were feeling any older. That's basically wishing you a happy birthday. No, it's not. <laughs> Are you still salty? Are you salty? No, I'm just not letting you live it down. Aww. Well, you don't have to wish me a happy birthday. You can ask me if I'm feeling any older. An eye for an eye makes the world go blind. So, of course, you will be greeted with a massive plethora of happy birthday gifts. Aww. I... <laughs> oh, I... I... I don't... I'm so bad at dates and birthdays. I think it is It is known to everybody. It took me... Uh, my two best friends are twins. They have one birthday. Not hard to remember. It's just one date. Took me like six years to remember. I'm sorry, you know. Yeah, uh-huh. Real I sorry. I did remember though. I asked you if it was on your birthday when I I just didn't specifically say happy birthday, but I did ask you if you were feeling any older on the day of your birth. If my Discord had not been popping off, you would not have. That's not true you have openly admitted to that you said oh hey your discord is popping off i'm gonna pop in and see what's happening oh hey yeah that's exactly how i sound <laughs> i have the audio for that somewhere i'm gonna find it uh-huh. <laughs> anyways <laughs> next week free and my birthday i'm gonna be 23 yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah no uh social medias if you like brad First, before we do social media, because I forgot about that. If you like Brad, you can find him on twitch.tv slash Gaming. If you also want to get more of him, you can find him on Instagram at Gaming. And like we previously mentioned, he runs our very fancy Instagram and Twitter. And our Instagram, we have been making polls about things that concern the podcast. So things like, for instance, when this episode was getting released, because this is one that we were actually supposed to release back um, as our second horror Halloween episode, but because of family life complications, that didn't happen. And so it ended up getting released on Halloween. Ooh. So yeah, we asked you guys about that, whether or not we should keep it in the backlogs or release it on Halloween. 
And you guys were the ones who decided. So if you're interested in having a direct effect on what happens with the podcast, you can do that by following us over on Instagram and hitting those, answering those polls that we've been putting out. We also have a YouTube channel, B&B Anime. B&B Anime YouTube channel has all of our episodes with all of our archived previous ones that have already happened and all of our brand new ones that are coming out. And we have fancy thumbnails on those and a comment section. Comment section is fun because you get to talk to us in them and we respond, I promise we do. And I think that's everything. Oh yeah, Twitter, same thing, B&B Anime. We just tweet out when things are happening and things about the podcast and let you guys know and information stuff happens on there. It's a good time. And yeah, I think that's everything, right? Blue also streams, uh-huh. even though I have streamed more than her this month. Yeah, I've been taking a good break. I've needed a break. I can't say I blame you. Mm. I would have as well. Mm. And But yeah, Blue also streams. You can find her Monday through Saturday, except for Wednesdays and Thursdays. She mainly streams art. You can find her at twitch.tv forward slash blue lavender. Mm-hmm. Then you can also find her on Instagram and Twitter at blue lavender stm. Although Twitter is for Twitch updates and Instagram is art and the occasional bean photo. Yeah. Also, adorable Tilly Instagram at the best Tilly Bean. Yeah. So, with Dead Man Wonderland officially dropping on Halloween, we are officially wrapping up Spooky Month Ooh. with. And with this episode dropping on a Saturday, we will have officially released three episodes within the span of a week. So we will be taking tomorrow, Sunday, November 1st, off from our normal schedule. And we will have free uploaded November 8th. Yeah, such excite. Yeah, so Sports Month will officially be happening. Be sure to go wish Blue a happy birthday. Because make her feel bad for forgetting mine. Oh, oh I didn't, though. Uh, I'm going to hold my ground here. I didn't. I'm just giving you shit. Mm. So that wraps everything else. Fuck, I can speak. I can do an outro. I am good at this. <laughs> so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. Blue and I greatly appreciate it. We will catch y'all next week for free. But until then, bye-bye. Bye.